What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing with the set of positional reviews for the Ravens for 2022. And here to talk about the offensive tackles today is our good friend, Jordan Coe. Jordan, how you doing? Good, Ken. Good to see you. How you been? Uh, life's been good. I've seen you fairly recently in Cincinnati. We went to the game together uh, uh, there for the wild card. A disappointing night, a quick in and out. You, the best trip to Cincinnati is a quick in and out, right? <laughs> the only way. <laughs> All right. But anyway, uh, you, you know, competitive football game. Just sad they didn't uh, they didn't come away with it. 
But we're here to talk about the offensive tackles tonight. And and the Ravens uh, uh, had, uh, you know, by the end of the season, they got back to pretty much where we had hoped they'd be at the beginning of the season at offensive tackle. Yeah, you know, it was all in all, it, it was nice to see what the performance we were getting by the end of the year. It felt like there were certainly some times where some things needed to be kind of synced up, obviously, with Stanley and, and who was backing up, et cetera. But it really did seem to to get kind of locked in by the end of the season, which was something I feel like we haven't seen for quite a few years from the offensive tackles from the Ravens by the end of the season. Yeah, it it, uh, it certainly has been a while. I want to go through that for a second because just to remind people of how much uh, – turmoil there was particularly at that left tackle spot but before i do that I need to thank our sponsor liquid death the water that will brutally murder your thirst please give their product a try they've been very good to us they have a lime seltzer flavor that i'd recommend anyway liquid death so the ravens began the season with ronnie stanley still on pup pup right yeah he came back yeah. to pup and uh, you know they, they acquired moses in the off season which i think I was not 100% sure that was going to work out. And by the end of the year, I'm very happy that the, the transaction was made. That left tackle spot, though, went through so much turmoil. And, and let's just remind ourselves of what happened. So Ronnie Stanley on PUP, Juwan James starts week one. He lasts 24 snaps before he gets hurt. Patrick McCary started the next two games, but he was hurt uh, versus New England. It's actually less than two full games he played because he got hurt even earlier in the game against New England. Then the great Daniel Faalele played the bulk of weeks three and four, and he was very he was quite bad. Uh, had a lot of problems, particularly in his first 10 or so snaps against New England. Then played a decent second half, still a bad game overall, a bad week four, and he, and he came back once later during the season we're going to talk about. Ronnie Stanley finally debuts in week five versus Cincinnati, but he's playing rotationally at this point. Played 22, 51, and 55 snaps, his, and those are scored snaps, his first three games back. So he's still splitting time with McCary at left tackle uh, at that point. Uh, played, ascended up to playing full time, which is thank goodness, because honestly, McCary's play at left tackle was not particularly good this year. Then he was, Stanley was hurt again in week 11 and missed weeks 12 and 13. So the Ravens are back to McCary. Fa'alele came in and finished that week 13 game against Denver when McCary got hurt. And he was, again, awful. And this time he fell completely off the table down to one of the worst games I've ever scored. We can talk about that a little bit when we talk about Daniel. Then Stanley played the last six games of the season, beginning with week 14, all the way through the playoffs, went into the postseason healthy. Uh, He's obviously the biggest domino on this offensive line. Thoughts on the left tackle position and the turmoil there? Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty unbelievable how the Ravens have had a series of injuries that have, have seemed to linger through multiple years and really hang on and still have a lasting impact. In a lot of cases, especially for the timing of when some of these guys got hurt, you you, you expect them to go down for a year. Um, and, you know, in those timelines to kind of be back and be ready once, once a, a full year down the road. And so, you know, it's great that Stanley kind of finished out the year strong. I think there was some, that unlucky play where I guess it was, it was Moses, was it Moses who missed just, well, there was a miscommunication on the right side of the line. Lamar took a brutal sack that was completely unblocked, rolled into Stanley's leg. And that's why he missed that week 12 and 13. But it was nice to see him bounce back from that. Didn't see it seem to have any residual from that. Seemed to be either soft tissue or kind of nothing high impact in that regard. And so 
the expectations for left tackle have got to be pretty high as we look at what we're we're headed into um, in the 23 season. And, and it's an expectation that Stanley will return to a relatively durable form that he had before the, the major injury. You know, he would, he would miss a few snaps here and there. I think he, he never played the full set of games, but he, I don't think he ever missed more than one or two games before that. Um, and so the hope is that you're, you're back to that level of, of expectation and, and Stanley played, I think very well overall. Um, and if there's any upside in kind of his recovery remaining on the other side of that, you've got to, you've got to feel pretty decent about where you are with left tackle. You're also from a contract perspective, you have no choice but to hope to feel good about it um, because yes. there's really nothing else to do. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a good point. Hope is really the only strategy in the case of Ronnie strategy, in, in Ronnie Stanley. But he he played well. Um, he ascended, I think, as the year went on in terms of of where he was. It was actually a fairly level year. He didn't have any really bad games. Uh, his worst game of the year was a D, as I scored it at Pittsburgh in Week 14. I was coming back first game off the injury, scored a 60 in terms of a raw score with an adjustment. He's in the D range at 64. Um, you know, didn't didn't have anything worse than that. Uh, he had, uh, let's see, three games that were in the A range. Most of the times he was a B or C, kind of a B minus to a B season, I think, overall. And boy, boy, is that a breath of fresh air for these Ravens after what they've had to put up with since the middle of 2020. Yep, and and hopefully that that's the direction that it continues. And you know, it's I, I don't see there didn't seem to be anything that jumped off the page that Stanley was getting away with or barely getting by or anything like that. And so I go in I go into next year pretty hopeful about what we're going to see from left tackle on Stanley. You know, it, it's one of these weird situations because I'm almost always a fan of positional coaching. That's not what Ronnie Stanley needs. Ronnie Stanley needs a top-notch physical program to rebuild his body so that he can do what he does best already, which is play left tackle, mirror properly, do all those things. He knows how to do it all. The question is, will his body let him do it all? And he's one of the only guys on this team that I would point to and say, all he really needs is a good conditioning offseason. He needs to beat father time for the next three or four or five years uh, while he's playing out this contract and uh, you know, possibly even signing another one after that. Uh, see if he if he does that if he does it effectively I think if he plays to the end of this contract effectively uh, you know at a, at a near Pro Bowl level we'll call it I think he's a candidate for the Ravens Ring of Honor. Yeah, I, I think absolutely, and I, don't, I there's nothing that we saw from Stanley this year that that tells me that he shouldn't be able to get back to that level as long as rehab and kind of PT support continue to move in the same direction here. Good mirroring for the year. Uh, less mobile as a run blocker, I thought, uh, but he could still contribute on the backside of run plays. And Ronnie Stanley, just he's unusual in his intelligence and on the backside of run plays. One thing he does extremely well is to shut down backside pursuit on run plays. So he'll often deke by setting up as if it's a pass block and then jam a guy to the inside and basically put him in a position where he can't get back into play. Once he he sees very effectively when somebody's lost in the wash like that, and will often use his hand, other arm and big wingspan there to, to disrupt another guy who's, who's got a free pursuit on the play. And to the degree you could do that, that's just very big deal for the run game to not have a backside pursuit, especially when you're leading with blocks that need time to develop. Yeah. And, and we, I think we saw that towards, you know, the end of the year with the Ravens run game scheme is the teams are really attacking the backside of those running plays. 
Um, and the Ravens had to make some pretty significant adjustments to be successful there. So anything that they can do to be helpful, given that the run scheme stays the same in some of those capacities, is important to have a guy like Stanley that is can be on the front side and back side of those plays. Yeah, he's he's probably less of the weapon to be out in level two and level three than he used to be. And maybe he can get back to that, but or or maybe he can't. But he's still a, a, a fairly mobile player, I think. As I would project it, I just did not see as much of that this year in terms of his ability to get out in, in space and make blocks effectively. And um, one of the big games on which he he kind of his body kind of betrayed him, or maybe whatever betrayed him, it didn't work out. Let's put it that way. Was that attempted screen pass to Andrews when they had first and goal, second goal, whatever it was from the five yard line? They throw pass left. Both players missed their blocks. You know, easy touchdown. And Stanley is obviously one of the two there. Yeah, well, and, you know, the other thing that I look at with Stanley is that it really, you know, even though it seems like a long time since his initial surgery, which it has been, there was a whole different surgery that they yeah. went in and redid it again. And so, one, you're, the setback from that to the rehab timeline of whatever might be created by doing that twice, it'll be really nice to have a full offseason for Stanley to be able to prep for the season, not to be in full injury recovery mode, to be able to build some of the strength and all the things that you talked about. And so... Next year is a really big evaluation year from him. I think that what we saw in this 22-23 season is the floor for what we're going to see moving forward from Stanley, and hopefully we do consider, continue to see a trajectory upwards from there. Yeah, I, I hope you're right about that. I, I, I certainly hope you're right. I mean, we, we, we've got to take the possibility that, you know, Stanley, who will turn um, third, no, maybe 29 this next year, um, you know, may not be the same player anymore. And, and 23... He's the guy. 24, the Ravens can save eight point three million by cutting him. So they're going to have to like who they have going into that 24 season. He is actually signed through 25. I think it is quite unlikely he'll play that last season, given that there's about a $20 million cap savings from cutting him in 25. So it's really the 23 seasons being played for 2024. And if, if, you know, if all things go right, then they keep him in 23. If he returns to a Pro Bowl level, they might keep him in 24 as well. Let's move on. Talk a little about Morgan Moses. Uh, to me, you know, he was he was a constant in constant um, uh, for, for this season. Definitely a guy with a lot of high variation in week to week play. Had some really good games. Had some had some bad games. Not really that fall off the table game. And I got to look at my. My scores week by week here just to see if there's any game that, that he just fell way off. I mean, he was bad against Pittsburgh in week 14. Uh, that was a bad game generally for the for the offensive line. Um, I'm sorry, that's not right. Pittsburgh in week 18, he was bad. He had a 42 raw score, um, and, and that, that obviously is not good. But uh, also bad against Buffalo. Again, both those are, are kind of in the in the just outside of the – of the of the uh, D range, so I wouldn't really call them as fall off the table games. And he did have you know a number of A's during the season, five different games where he got an A. So uh, I I liked his overall performance. I thought you know he was about almost as good as Ronnie Stanley, and he did some things very well. And for it, the measurement to me of Moses on the year, he, he certainly there were some inconsistencies in his game. But for the cap number and what he's playing at, yeah. the value is extreme. You know, take take it for whatever, you know, however you want to kind of be critical of the bad games or be highly complimentary of the good games for a guy with, what, a $5 million cap hit. 
on the year, I'm going to take that from an offensive tackle position every day of the week. You know, the, the, the amount of savings that they could potentially get from cutting Moses in a future year versus the kind of value that they got in play from him this past year, it's almost a no-brainer that, especially with tackle depth being so critically important for any team, and you saw it, you know, in the Cincinnati Bengals um, losing their right tackle, having good quality tackle depth is so important um, that, you know, I think Moses establishes his value there alone. Um, that being said, I think as a run blocker, you got exactly what you thought you were going to get from Morgan Moses um, in a lot of cases. And so, you know, he doesn't give you the same, some of the same exceptional athleticism that you might want to see from a guy like Ronnie Stanley, but the consistency of kind of what you're getting from a strength perspective from him is I think well worth the price tag. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think it's probably at least most of the chance of him not finishing this contract now with the Ravens is on Morgan Moses saying, I want to hang him up at, after, after the second year, I think he'll play this year. And I think pretty good chance he he plays the third year as well, or at least the Ravens are not interested in, in cutting him to, to, to save cap dollars. Uh, it would take a real step backwards at this point for the Ravens to say, man, eh, we, we just, we can't have him anymore out there at right tackle. Cause I think he played so well, really astonishing how well, his mobility was this year to me is the, the polls in particular, just outstanding. So going a little bit into some technical depth here. So what Ravens always pull Moses on a counter. He never pulls without having a lead player ahead of him. So the guard or center might be pulling ahead of him as the trailing puller. If he runs his track, does not miss a block, and does not whiff on somebody or does not impede the play otherwise by getting tripped up in the wash or whatever else might happen, then he gets a what's going as a courtesy point for not being able to find a block. He had precious few of those the whole year. He he pulled through and he looked like a guard pulling to me, a guy, mobile guard who is not only hitting somebody, but drilling them and you know, hitting them, you know, knocking them seven, eight yards back, uh, great positional player on those blocks i thought just the, his ability to pull really drove the right to left counter plays that the ravens ran yeah no absolutely and uh, you know one of the long kenyan kenyan drake touchdowns kind of comes to mind i think that was a pull from moses where he kind of clears that hole out and and drake was able to take a, a long run to the house on that play um but the mobility was fantastic he's a good fit for the scheme overall um and it doesn't seem like anybody is kind of at least at this moment, kind of terribly knocking down the door to say, you know, we've, we've got to be able to come in here and, and take that spot away from him. So I think, you know, as you look at what you might be getting in, in this upcoming 23 season, you know, Moses is very clearly kind of penciled into that right tackle spot without really any question. Yeah, co- completely agree. I, I think, you know, he's the one that honestly, the one that can really depend on what's kind of interesting at no point did they talk about moving him to left tackle and they played everybody else there. Literally, all four other tackles played there, but uh, but the Moses never was uh, was moved to left tackle as effective as he was on the right side. Did have a little bit of help in terms of pass blocking over there, uh, which is by the way something is typically done. I, I, we talk about teams being right handed because they like to play the tight end on the right side. Well, one of the reasons that they do that is because your left tackle on the blind side of the quarterback typically has to do so on his own. Uh, sorry, is your better pass blocker. So they trust him to do it on his own. On the right tackle, you you often put your your tight end there if you have one in line tight end because you 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 have a worse pass blocker and you also want to give him help on chipping 
as as much as you actually want your tight end there for the scheme you want to play. So it, it, it just multiple reasons why that happens. But I thought that Moses did, particularly early in the season, have a fair amount of help in terms of pass blocking. Yeah, there is a reasonable question as to whether or not if he's needed at left tackle, that that change might happen in future, you, you know, in future seasons. Now that the Ravens have seen his play, Philele's had another year in the system to be able to develop at right tackle. Are there other options there? He's he did play, I think, a little left tackle um, for the Jets in a few moments last year when he needed to. So it's nice to have that option there for Moses as well. Um, but it's also nice to have a guy that is just set in his position that is durable mm-hmm. and is going to play regularly, and that you know, generally speaking what strengths and what weaknesses you get from him so you can game plan around that accordingly. Every time you kind of shuffling things around, you never know what you might get as a result of that. It's nice to be able to just lock in and say, these guys are going to play. Yeah, great point in terms of the continuity. Absolutely fantastic point. I mean, you know, just just Kevin Zeitler who could probably adapt to a lot of different things. The NFL probably really benefited from playing next to Morgan Moses. That's a, it, it's a That's a good... North star to play next to in terms of, you know, exactly what you're going to get out of that. And, uh, and uh, anyway, real good year for Moses. I, I, you know, in terms of scoring, he's just a little behind Stanley, not, not much. And, uh, and honestly, that's terrific for a full season of play at that level. It's a, it was a C plus B minus year in to, to my way of thinking, but you know, one that, that uh, the Ravens are, are paying for C minus play at that level and they're getting C plus B minus play. They're really beating the, beating the spread. Yep, absolutely. You got to find those cap dollars somewhere. Let's move on and talk about Patrick McCary a little bit. I, I thought, you know, in 2021, he was kind of the surprise at tackle, really outplaying, um, you know, any sort of expectations for McCary at tackle. I've, you know, I've been a critic of a lot of things about him, most, most of them size and length issues, but uh, he took a step back at tackle in 2022, didn't really have any good games of 20 plus snaps and uh his play was primarily on the left side as as uh differed in previous years with it primarily being on the right side that he played uh he had his worst two games in some very short partial efforts so he had a 20 snap game a 23 snap game and 20 snaps is the minimum and he had a he had a 16 for 16 game as well so uh that that, that was got it. so his overall grade it probably doesn't really reflect quite as bad as as he played well I'll, I'll tell you what i think of his overall play i think he's a c minus d plus player this year in terms of what the ravens got him pff scores him a lot better i put a lot higher weighting in terms of the pass rush events and the penalties in particular uh that happen he gets penalized too much for for an offensive line yeah the penalties certainly were concerning and especially the way the ravens op- offense operated this in the 22-23 season is important to keep those big negative loss plays kind of off the chart overall I, I i think what we saw in 21 is kind of what we can expect moving forward from makari which is a swing tackle guy that can fill in if you need him to he's a nice guy that can fill it you know, the versatility of his ability to play all across the line is great i think a little bit of improved scheme and game planning um, depending on what direction the Ravens go with this new offensive coordinator could, could be beneficial for him as well. I think the Ravens ask a lot at times of what they want their offensive linemen to do in the Greg Roman offense. And if you can take some of that responsibility away and find a way to shift that through the short passing game, through screens, through some of the other things that they could do, you could see a lot better performance from Makari as a result of that as well. Yeah, I, I'd like to see him as a sixth offensive lineman. Which which would be cool, but I also think the Ravens are incented 
in his particular case to kind of keep him as dry powder, not have the Tyree Phillips situation happen again, where you've got the guy, you guys are only backup tackle and you put him in his left guard. He gets hurt the first game. Uh, so, so McCary is your backup center. He's also your backup tackle on both sides. And yeah, Cologne could play it, or maybe somebody else could if they if they get another undrafted guy or another guy they sign or, or, or guy they draft this year. But but I think that McCary is probably the guy at any of three positions they need to have. Since injuries happen, I think they're tremendously disincented to let McCary really be part of a left guard competition. I think you find somebody else for Cleveland to compete with. Yeah, I, I generally agree with you. I mean, and especially when you look at it from an injuries perspective and the amount of snaps that Makari ended up taking this past year, you're just going to expect what, like four to six games worth of snaps to be taken from Makari spread out over maybe six to eight to 10 games. Um, but he's that guy that's going to be able to fill in and to be able to have someone that is, let's call him league average, like like whatever, however you want to kind of nuance that. And if you think it's slightly below mm-hmm. that or slightly above that, but a guy that's league average, that you can just slot into that for a team that is competing or considers themselves to be a contender for the Super Bowl. That's again at the cap value that you've got from him. Again, a really good value return, even if you're only getting average play from him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's that's uh, that's where his value is, and and you know he's the kind of guy you hope never gets off the bench. I mean, that's just the easiest way to do it. Now they've got an interesting situation. In 23, they can save two million by cutting him. I don't think they'll do it for that. I think whatever, you know, they have to essentially find another player who can do his job for $2 million. I don't think that exists. In 24, it gets a little more interesting because it'll be $4.35 million. And a lot of that will depend on whether or not they've found somebody else to, uh, you know, come in and be developed, where Daniel Fa'alele is, how the rest of their interior defensive line, offensive line looks. Um, I think it'll be a it'll be a tougher choice. But in in obviously in no way in 2023 is Patrick McCary going anywhere. Yeah. The, you know, the only, the only way that happens, I guess, you know, and Moses falls, I guess, maybe vaguely into this category as well, given that they can create some savings is that if the Ravens have an opportunity to make a high impact splash in other places, and they just absolutely need that money, they've decided they don't want to restructure Stanley they they should restructure Humphrey first and foremost in, in those instances. There are other places to get those dollars. But if there, let's say there's an opportunity to go and get uh, like Devontae Adams. I'm just making up names, right? Like like the, uh, an opportunity to go out and get somebody and you really need that money. Um, if I'm going to get a high impact, let's say wide receiver, or it's going to allow me to make sure that Lamar is going to be on the team for the next 10 years, I'm not going to let Makari being on this team be the reason that that's going to stop that from happening. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I uh, I think that's reasonable. I just don't. It's it's such a small savings. Yeah. yeah, and it's, it's unlikely crazy. scenarios. Okay. All right. Well, let's keep going. Daniel Falalele, 158 snaps in a rookie year. Now, there's some good things about what happened to Daniel Falalele this year, and and there's one huge bad thing is he didn't play well. But the the the, the good thing is he got on the field. He didn't lose the year developmentally. Um, I think it's too easy to kind of plot a positive trajectory for the guy i didn't I honestly over, over the course of the whole year i didn't really see it his, his, his last game was his worst by far the play other opposing players took advantage there were some things he maybe did a little bit better 
Um, but he's he's kind of a natural patty caker. He's not a natural striker, which is what he really needs to learn how to do properly. And uh, just just not a good season. His, his raw score per play was 0.42. Now, let's compare that. Ronnie Stanley was at 0.75 and Moses at 0.73. With some adjustment value, I've given you my, my approximate grade level for both of those players. Afalili, an, an F all the way in, in terms of, of how this season went. To me, the biggest the biggest leap is going to have to be technical this coming year. I think the biggest leap is always going to be technical for Falele, no matter what. I think I think for a fourth round draft pick, for what you're getting from a size and strength perspective, are things that you can't replicate in any other way. Can you turn that technically into something that can be a viable offensive tackle in the league? And if you can, the upside return on that's going to be really great. If you're missing on a fourth round pick. Yes, the Ravens have, you know, the infamous, what, you know, 17 fourth round picks in this, you know, what it was, a five fourth round picks, the mm-hmm. same Dixon, Will Henry, who I, I can't remember all of them, but, you know, Kayvon Young. Yeah. You know, so th- it's not as though fourth round picks have no value or return, but it's certainly less than a 50% coin flip of what I, of me expecting a fourth round pick to have an impact. So, I'd rather take a guy that has high upside and needs to learn some of the technical stuff needs to get either more flexible or like, and it could also, you know, technical both from how to play offensive tackle, but also technical just from like a physical traits perspective of non kind of big brute guy, like flexibility, whatever that needs to look like. I think he's really got to work hard this off season on whatever that looks like. Uh, these are really, they were really valuable snaps for him to be able to get the ones that he got. Um, but I wasn't, I, if anybody was expecting Falele to come in to this season and to be even an average NFL player, I think that that would, would have been a pretty mistaken perspective, even heading into the season. I, I, that's, that's very fair. I mean, like, like most people, I probably had more hope for him because he's a Raven. But, uh, but yeah, he, he, there, there was, <laughs> there's just, there's so much not technically right about the guy. He's he's one of the guys that I would really advise. And I'm no player has since asked for my advice. In this <laughs> but I, <laughs> no, I, I would advise to, to spend the offseason really investing in himself. And that doesn't mean just working out. Yeah, you work out, do yoga. If you want to, you want to gain some of the additional flexibility, maybe some of the additional movement of your hips and whatnot that'll, that'll allow you to uh, mirror better, uh, get, get in a different stance that'll help you at an extreme height. Um, th- those are all you know positive things, but what he really needs to spend time on is learning how to strike appropriately. He's, he hasn't played a lot of football in his life, and you know he hasn't he's he's hardly played any football where the other guy wasn't so totally disadvantaged from a size and, and length perspective that it really mattered for him to play effectively. In the same way, Tyler Linderbaum hadn't played a lot of guys who really challenged him from a length perspective before this season. So, Falele, if if he would go to Charles Bentley's camp, or maybe there's some other one for tackles that's that's more you know more specific to that. But there should be one, even if there isn't one, or there should be a, a guy who teaches tackle play, and you can go there. And there's actual people you know you're working out again who's, who maybe played defensive end previously in the NFL or at the college level at least. And you can you can uh, you know try and get them pushed around, but you get Dallasandris type coaching on a snap by snap basis for an hour wrapped around, and and then another hour with wrapped around some rate training. 
Uh, you know, that's the kind of program that I would hope that Daniel Falalele could get involved in. And, and I know it, it, for all NFL players, they really value their time off. Hey, all human beings do. I, I mean, you know, you, you, Jordan, I know you, you work an incredibly busy schedule, but I bet you really value your time off. I know I did as an actuary. And, and it's just, you, it, I understand it. I really get it. And, you know, a lot of this is pull in a lot of cases sometimes for the really driven guys. They want to learn about their next job after the NFL. They want to go to, to announcer camp. They want to go to, you know, get a, get a finance job during the off season, just a finance internship to see if they can fit into that. I, I, I get it. I just say in Daniel Falalele's case, his best chance to be an extraordinarily achieving human being in terms of earnings is going to be to play right tackle in the National Football League. Get on it. Make that your only focus for the next couple of years, and you might get there. You know, the other thing I would say that could advantage Falele that is outside of his control is the scheme that the Ravens decide that they might want to be in moving forward. I think that Powers in particular probably is gone. And I know we're talking about tackle here, but just mm-hmm. bear with me for half a second. We think Powers is likely going to be gone. If you can replace him ultimately with a guy that might be more athletic, then you're looking at a pretty athletic line across the board, even with Moses assuming starting at right tackle with Stanley, Moses, a, a more athletic left guard, Linderbaum, Zeitler less so, but just kind of being more of a technician mm-hmm. at an advantage there, right? If you're in more of an outside zone scheme offense, as the Ravens head into that year, I think that's much, much, much more to full A.L.A. strength um, to be able to allow him to move a little bit, to be less stationary, to have layered play action kind of built into what some of these things are um, not having guys on part of the way the Ravens scheme operates currently is the defenses are now attacking the edges on both sides consistently on every play aggressively, because the only way to stop Lamar is to force him to get out of whatever that situation is, um, make him uncomfortable and just pray that you get it right and make him make a mistake. And so they're putting all the pressure on the tackles, no matter what you get away, get into a scheme where you take some of that away. Um, and then you're asking a lot less of your tackle. And then maybe filet like in just, there's some natural improvement there from a scheme perspective from him when he's coming in as a backup, as a result of that. That's that's an interesting theory. I I would my initial reaction is that I think Falele would have a lot of problems in his own scheme. But you might be right. I I I I wouldn't. One of the guys who kind of looked comfortable at times to zone blocking at time, at other times it didn't really seem a fit for him was Moses this year, who's you know the least athletic of them all and yet the most powerful and the biggest body. And he's he, he very comfortable. You know, one thing about good zone blocking is. You got to be comfortable both blocking with your your outside hand. So outside you know, your outside hand is whichever one is facing the defense as you run, go left or right. You got to be comfortable with that, but you also sometimes got to be comfortable when you don't just have it right to take somebody on with your hip itself. So he kind of beats your block a little bit, or or he's or you see he's behind you, and you have to just kind of get in his way. You just got to be a little bit comfortable doing that. And bigger body dudes like Moses seem to have some skill with that, even if they're not necessarily the best at at pacing to keep up with the guard who's in front of them. So it could be Falalele is, is, uh, is someone who that fits for. Yeah. He strikes me as given the frame and the athleticism that you can see from him at times, it could be potentially advantageous. I, you know, the Ravens, I guess I'm saying even more so whether it's zone scheme or whether it's some other kind of scheme, the Ravens have to stop. They have to pick an offensive scheme that stops them. Everyone just all out, unabashedly attacking the edges of this offense because 
a, it makes it really hard to pass when they have to pass and the teams are already pinned back. They've already been doing it to begin with. And it makes it really, makes it really tough on, on Lamar and this offense to operate that way in the long run from a health perspective. You're just, you're just from those tackle spots and from Lamar's perspective, you're just going to take a beating um, over and over again. So I'm optimistic that, you know, we'll continue to see growth from the tackle play overall. Um, keeping some of the things Roman did, but moving forward, trying to create schemes that are forcing teams to stop being so aggressive in those situations. Right. Right. Now that's a, that's a, that's a great point. Absolutely. Great point. Let's move on and talk a little bit about Jawan James. Uh, now, obviously the Ravens had more than 23 snaps in mind when they signed him to this two year deal. That was a, you know, a, uh, a great opportunity, a fantastic value to get the, you, I see you're laughing here. You, you weren't drinking anything. That's good. I would, would, didn't make you spit it up. But anyway, <laughs> the, uh, the, he'll, he's a, he's a free agent again, obviously right now. It, any chance that he returns? I doubt it. I, I don't see, uh, you know, and not that there's any, n- nothing that we saw from him was particularly bad or wrong. And I guess if it's a vet minimum deal, um, that's non-guaranteed. I don't have, I certainly don't have a problem with that for him kind of coming in initially to get a crack at the roster and doing a guy a favor if he can't find his way anywhere else. Um, you know, now that I'm saying that out loud, that the Ravens don't have a lot of draft picks coming into this year. So they're probably not going to be taking a lot of tackles that are going to be, you know, in this draft as, as they're kind of looking at what spots they have needs for. So they might have some level of comfortability with him in the first place. It's certainly possible, but I think it's a, it's a pretty uh, neutral move, no matter what overall that I, I think that the consequentiality of that on the Ravens year next year is little to none. I mean, I would agree, and yet I kind of like it as an insurance policy. Here's why it's not going to work, of course. Juwan James has made $39.5 million playing in the NFL. I would hope he's got this kind of people advising on him that would have had him save about half of that or maybe maybe a third of that. You know, We've had good markets the entire time he's he's been done. I mean, honestly, a lot of that would just be hopefully invested pretty well, and and uh, and uh, he's done well with it. But uh, $39.5 million is a lot to earn to play for 1 million for one more year. The guys who, who are the survivors in the NFL, Anthony Levine's and, and you know, maybe Brent Urban is going to fall in this category as well. He's certainly been, he's, he's pretty close to being in this category uh, are, are guys who, who realize that every year additional in the NFL is precious. It, it, it may be precious just because you love the game. I mean, that's enough. And then you get paid a million dollars for it and you have fantastic benefits. Absolutely fantastic benefits. I just, you know, if, if everyone, everyone lives in a corporate environment today, all organizations are trying to cut their benefits, are really trying to reduce what they offer. The NFL has got the juiciest freaking benefit package you'll ever see. It's, so it's not just a million dollars a year, which which is not bad if you can get it. Um, it's it's you know for players who've made eight or nine million dollars already in their lifetime, they see the value in in sticking around for an extra uh, year to million. Pernell McPhee, I think he was doing it more for the fun of the game. Uh, just watching the guy around in practice and seeing how he was, I think it was more more fun to him than it was he needed the money. Yeah, it, that that's the interesting question, right? Like, how badly do these guys want to continue to play? How much rigor do they want to continue to put on their body? What is the recovery like coming off of another surgery to come back and play? I think that's, I think the real the question has probably in some ways already been answered for James. We don't know this, but how he's been rehabbing post injury. Yeah. will be ultimately the thing that decides whether he plays. And, you know, if there's anything we've learned from this year, you know, there's no guarantee that a week one, 
you know, injury like this is going to result in a week one, you know, preparation to be week one ready the following year. Um, and so, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I certainly wouldn't object to it as an insurance policy. I don't know where else the Ravens are going to go for in terms of tackle. And they are going to need another swing tackle type that they're going to want to have on either the pra- practice squad or floating around the roster somewhere. Um, so I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah, I'd, I'd like a little more upside than the guys who are really on the fringe of the NFL at tackle. Cause those guys, first of all, you can't trust on them still being around on the practice on your own practice squad by any time of year. They could, they can leave at any time. They could be yanked for somebody else's practice squad. Um, you know, a lot of, lot, they can't, they can't be signed away to somebody else's practices. They have to be, you know, signed away to a, a roster, but you just, you don't have the control over that player that you'd hope to. And that's, that's how the Ravens end up losing a fair number of, of players, including uh, Beatty this year, for example, a guy that, that I think they would have rather had, or Zach Sealer in previous years has just been a guy that they would have really loved to have kept. But, but anyway, the, the, uh, um, with that fourth tackle spot, I think really would provide the Ravens with something if they had four guys who, who really were just tackles. And the fourth guy's got to be a guy who can actually play left tackle. None of this other BS. None of this, he's a right tackle. We think he might work out, or he's a guard, and we think he can play tackle. No, I don't want another McCary on the roster. It's fine to have one, but I don't want to have another guy who can play you know, two positions not very well and three positions pretty well. I, I don't want that. Um, I, I want to have somebody who can actually play tackle and has a chance to hold up on the left side. And now I now I realize just about how big that demand is. And you got to take somebody who's got uh, some other baggage to go with that. So it's probably going to be an older player. It's probably going to be a player who might be coming off an injury. Uh, you know, there could be other issues too. But the rest of the league has to kind of be willing to give up on that guy for you to get a tackle at one million dollars. Yeah, I, I, you know, and I don't follow enough of kind of college football to know kind of what the landscape and if there's a player like Falele that exists in the draft pool coming up this upcoming year. But if there is and there's a fourth, fifth, sixth ish kind of target round grade on a guy that has that kind of upside, I think I can live with that being the fifth guy between these guys. But I, I'm with you. It's got to be. It's got to be a guy that the Ravens think can ultimately play tackle or will be playing tackle long term. And like you mentioned with Stanley, he's not going to be around forever. You don't know what that's going to look like if they're if it is off a cliff for next year, having another project on the roster because Stanley didn't recover and he's going to be a cap savings and is going to be gone by the following season. Having another guy that's at least in the mix for that seems like what they should do. All that being said, historically, that is not been the Ravens MO that is just not how they have operated. Um, And so I would say that not to expect that. (laughs) They've had so many depth issues at left tackle though. Um, You know, it's, it's it's just one of these things that, that it's a position where I think they really need to take a special precaution. And if, when you look at the first round draft picks, by the way, the big three, in fact, if you want to include the big four, including Trevor Penning, they suck this year. Oh my God, they were terrible. All, all of them. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's it's one of these things where uh, having a first round draft pick or being willing to expend the capital on a first round left tackle does not guarantee success. It happened to come very quickly to Ronnie Stanley. The Ravens are very lucky. It, it came pretty quickly for Laramie Tunsil from the same draft. But a, a, a lot of other left tackles in the first round, they don't necessarily work out. And those three guys, Aconquo, Neal, and Cross, were all thought to be pretty much can't miss prospects. And they're not all necessarily going to make it. They've all had tough first years. They probably grow. They'll probably be fine. 
but but you know it, it certainly wasn't a, a formula for immediate success i thought cross of all of them seemed like he was he's the one in seattle right cross um, where, did, where did he get signed actually i should I'm know sure, this. I, I thought it was i thought it was seattle but maybe i'm mixing him up with a guy at the on the giants okay let me have a second on this yes he's the rookie so yeah he, he is seattle you're correct yeah i thought he had a better a, a better year than than your advertising maybe by a bit but again the point stands here which is that it's just like tight ends in the league and, and i think the ravens you know not to deviate again off of tackle positions, but there are certain positions that take time to develop as they hit the NFL and, and to expect high level things like with Falele in a first year are not to be expected. I think that you see that from guys like tight ends. I think for a guy that's like undersized at center and Linderbaum that doesn't have a full off season to get in the weight room and really be working on the things that he needs to do from a leverage perspective. There's a lot of interesting upside in some of the players that the Ravens have heading into next season that you see, you don't usually see them come in and splash immediately. Like you can see a wide receiver come into the league and splash immediately as a rookie. If they've got those moves and they've got, they've got the ability to run those routes and that, that kind of sixth sense of zones and how to settle in, they can be successful right away. Um, but you just don't see that ever with tight ends. Likely, Likely's year, which was probably disappointing to a lot of Ravens fans, is pretty much in line with what you could expect from any rookie ever at tight end. Any, you know, just that's just how it goes. Um, and so when the Ravens are deciding what they want to do for this depth to tackle, you know, in some ways having a riskier veteran of some kind, and whether that's personality or whether that's health like James as being that guy is probably ultimately the direction I expect them to go. And it probably makes the most sense. All right. So they, they, they could, you know, the personality route is one that the Ravens could try again. They they had that kind of with DJ Fluker had some domestic, I don't know if it was a domestic violence issue of his own, but he, he took a video of his girlfriend basically beating him up that one time. That was uh, it's, I actually consider him pretty positively in that light for just doing that and not, not trying to fight back or not doing whatever. I mean, you just got to be so careful uh, it, 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 in any walk of life. But certainly if you're in the NFL, that's the kind of thing that gets you out of the NFL pretty quickly is any kind of domestic violence. I, I, maybe. <laughs> the NFL wants people to believe that, but there are a lot of players in the NFL with very storied camera history of domestic violence that still play in the league. That bothers me. So I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> okay. Very good. We will we will not uh, we will not pull at that thread anymore. So in terms of 2023 draft pick, we would say is is unlikely, despite some of the age on this position group. Obviously, Moses and Stanley are not young men. They do have a developmental tackle, but they don't have another young tackle. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, you know, especially with the loss of pick, especially with the focus on all the focus is going to be on the Ravens getting a wide receiver. It, it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not Eric DaCosta kind of succumbs to some of those pressures or not. And all, but ultimately I think that there will be some amount of draft capital more than I think I would like that will be redirected towards wide receiver, both in actually taking a player and trading for a potential player in this upcoming year. And that's just going to suck all the draft capital out of the room because there are only five picks to begin with. That's and right. So and one of those picks is going to be a wide receiver. There, there's no way the Ravens are not. I'd be stunned. I mean, props to Eric Costa if he has the stones to not draft a wide receiver in 2023. But I think I think that's a lock. 
Um, whether the Ravens make a trade and give up a pick that's going to supposed to happen this year for another veteran wide receiver, I think that's more than reasonable as well. Then you're only down to three picks. They have got a lot of other needs on this roster. I think cornerback is a big one that they're going to have to go after. And so unless there's someone that they really like a tackle, I just it, it just seems unlikely to me. I just I, I could see him trying to have a press conference after picking no wide receiver and say, oh, I got great value in round one at cornerback. So we, we couldn't pass that up. And then in round three, this is the defensive tackle that we think will make our you know <laughs> younger. And then and then we, you know, each additional spot, the value player just didn't happen to be a wide receiver. There's nobody who was really exciting on our board. That's how we ended up where he's gonna have milkshakes thrown at him by the media. Oh, oh it <laughs> it's, be, it's gonna get ugly quickly. It would be a field day. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me let me finish by just asking you this. Uh, the Ravens have a, a first round draft pick, obviously, and they may use it and they may not. But if they do use it, percentage chance it goes to wide receiver, percentage chance it goes to cornerback and percentage chance it goes to other. And I've already kind of given my opinion on the show, but I'll, I'll, I'll do it again with you after you call it out. I'd say probably 65 percent wide receiver, 30 percent cornerback, 5 percent other. And I say that without knowing anything about the, the potential draft pool. Okay. So the, the quarterback pool actually is, is kind of interesting. So some, some big guys that would be, you know, and certainly a, a, um, tempting at, at a minimum, but I, I'm going to say 45% corner, 35% wide receiver and 20% other. Cause I think it's always like a, a pretty significant chance to be other. If that Kyle Hamilton type player drops into your lap again, what are you going to do? I mean, you're, yeah. you're probably going to select him anyway. The field's um, the, the all, probably always the better bet here when you're talking about two positions versus everybody else. <laughs> yeah. They may find them, you know, they may, might be a pass rusher that dropped too far right. for, for the Ravens' liking. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, Jordan, always a pleasure to talk football with you. Just great to, to, to get on and do these shows. A spirited discussion always. And uh, we got this done in record time. Of course, we're talking about only about five players here at Offensive Tackle. Well, thanks for having me on, Ken. I appreciate it. All the folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, uh, get me your idea for or get me your, your play for that one play. That's the new series we're going to be talking about. One play, predictably enough, from Ravens history that means something to you in some kind of special way. Take whatever angle you want on that. We'll talk about it for 15 minutes. Send me just a couple of bullet points uh, in a DM on Twitter. I will respond to you very quickly and get you on the list. For those of you out there who have not been scheduled yet, I haven't scheduled anybody other than one. I'm going to I'm going to do the first one, record that tomorrow, and then I'll be uh, we have one more of these positional review shows to do and then the rest of the week I will be scheduling all the other people who have signed up, which is now 22 people so far. Really appreciate all the great interest in that and I will get back to you. Jordan, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me again. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs> mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.